in chapter 17, the guests are leaving the dining area and they're dividing themselves between the drawing rooms, the sitting room, and the library. You can definitely feel like you're in a game of Clue with all these aristocratic room names, but the basic point is these are rooms, at least on this night, for the guests to be entertained. The drawing room can be compared to a ultra-large living room, while the sitting room is smaller and more private. It's the type of room that could be used to showcase prized artwork, including paintings or sculptures. The library can be considered as the precursor to the modern home office. In those times, it was considered quite a mark of status to have a high-ceilinged room with shelves of books and an area one could take care of administrative matters. Count Ilya Rostov was in one of the rooms, sitting down to enjoy a game of Boston, which was a French card game named after a northeastern American city. It was likely developed by the French during the French and Indian War. The young people gathered around the clavier, a keyboard instrument with strings, as well as a harp, and Julie Karagin took a turn on one of the instruments. The young people there knew that both Nikolai and Natasha had beautiful voices and asked them to sing. They were both willing, but Natasha first wanted to track down her friend Sonia, who she couldn't see at the moment. Sonia had run off to somewhere in the house to cry about Julie Karagin getting so close with Nikolai throughout the evening. There was a special spot in the house where the young women knew they could run off to for this purpose. It seems to be a corridor of some type between some of the large extravagant rooms. Natasha spotted Sonia drowning herself in tears with her head in her hands. Tolstoy calls this area the passage and Sonia was positioned on a chest in the passage. Sonia was crying so uncontrollably that Natasha also started to get overcome with emotion. She was trying to comfort her good friend, who was more family, as they were in this secret type of hideaway, which is also described as on Nanny's bed. So whether it's on a chest, a passageway, or an old feather bed, doesn't really matter too much. What's important is that Sonia explains that Nikolai's papers to go off with the military to fight Napoleon have come in and he's going to be leaving in about a week. She understands and respects his duty, but she just had a conversation with Vera Rostov, which very much upset her. Vera pointed out how Sonia and Nikolai could never be married. For one, they are second cousins and would need permission from the Archbishop of the Orthodox Church. Just as importantly, Vera pointed out how Countess Rostova would really not like the arrangement because Sonia does not come with a lot of prospects. She's basically raised by the Rostovs as an effort of goodwill. Nikolai's mother would naturally be thought to expect someone greater in stature in terms of class rank for her son. The deep love they share for each other is not enough. Sonia points out that these obstacles don't exist between Natasha and Boris, but she might be missing that Boris also doesn't have the prospects that the Rostov family could be expected to look for. Sonia relays that Vera spoke to her because she found some of the poetry that Nikolai wrote for her. Vera even hammered home that Sonia will be looked at in going for Nikolai, as a potential spouse, as ungrateful for all the family has done raising her. 
Sonia, with the tears pouring out from her, conveys to Natasha how much she loves the family. She expresses she would make any sacrifice, but feels she has nothing to sacrifice. This may have made Vera jealous because she hasn't experienced anything resembling the love that exists between Sonia and Nikolai and Boris and Natasha. Vera even suggested, after seeing Nikolai with Julie all night, that Julie Karagin was a much better match. And that reality, from a superficial point of view, sunk in. Natasha pleads with Sonia not to worry about Vera and that everything will work out. She notes that them being cousins can be worked out, as she knows others in the family who have gotten over the same hurdle. She conveyed that she and Boris have discussed the matter and he is so smart and that she trusts Boris's position that it can be arranged. This act of genuine sisterhood and love cheered Sonia up and they agreed to return to the festivities and sing for those who were still in the sitting room. Nikolai and Natasha sang this song called The Fountain and Nikolai, who has an especially good voice, sang a new song that he recently learned. The kids then readied themselves for dancing as the musicians could be heard in the background tuning up. The story then changes and incorporates a quick but important interlude involving Pierre. Pierre was amiably chatting with Shinshin, both likely discussing their anti-war posture, when Natasha ran up to Pierre. She says that Mama told Pierre that she should take Natasha to dance. Pierre graciously accepts and Tolstoy paints an image of the large Pierre offering his arm to the slight Natasha. And Natasha was blissful that she was paired up with a grown-up man. As they got ready, they sat and talked, and Natasha fanned herself as if she was a true society woman. Her mother, the Countess, noticed and was quite proud of the disposition in which her daughter held herself. More and more guests started to pour in from the drawing and sitting rooms to the ballroom. The host, Ilya Rustov, was especially happy to get the dancing in full swing. He partnered up unexpectedly with the terrible dragon, Maria Dmitrievna, who, unlike him, wasn't much of a dancer. The musicians got the signal to play the Count's favorite dance from his youth, and it has an English name. It's called the Daniel Cooper. Some research shows that this was an actual dance popular among the Russian nobility in the early 19th century. It's a partner dance, and it involves bended knees and big kicks and bows and swinging arms, much of which you would associate with Eastern European folk dancing. This type of dance you might see performed before a six- or seven-piece band. The man, the way he would be dressed with aristocratic flair, would look something like a collegiate drummer today, or something out of the nutcracker like a marionette. The women would look elegant in long dresses, and Ilya, even though he's described as older, really put his heart into this dance. He was bouncing around with such vigor that all eyes became focused on him. Natasha was so impressed that she was going around to everyone within her vicinity and pointing out what Papa was doing. The old gentleman gave everybody quite a show, while Maria, on the other hand, was a rotund figure who basically stayed in one place generally with her arms at her sides, bounced around, changing her expressions. She did have this radiant smile, and given it was her dancing, when she really wouldn't be expected to, Maria was still impressive in her own way. Essentially, she was in rhythm enough to charm the crowd. The dance got livelier and livelier, 
with Ilya bouncing, sweating, turning. Ilya would wave on the band to play more passionately, and they were happy to follow the commands of the master of the house. Everyone, the guests, the servants, the footmen, they were all watching Ilya as he was losing himself in the moment. And when it finally came to conclusion, there was a thunder of applause from throughout the ballroom. Ilya Rostov then noted, that is how we would dance in our time. <laughs>